This is Marketable, a Notice Pictures podcast that explores the ever-changing landscape faced by marketing teams. Welcome back to Marketable. I'm Jeff Barry here with my partner, Ryan Jones. Hello. This is a very special episode. We are here in Chicago at NeoCon, hot off the floor, lots of takeaways that we're going to talk about today, but I want to set the stage a little bit. We are currently sitting in our hotel room going to probably hear a little ambient noise. You're going to hear the L behind me running oh, yeah. right over our shoulder. We're going to do two things in this episode. Ryan and I are going to talk about our top level takeaways, and then we're going to share some sound bites from the interviews that we did with a handful of marketing executives that had booths here at NeoCon and hear their thoughts on where they're at within their marketing work, what they're what's working for them. We had a couple of questions that were consistent throughout our interviews and proved really interesting. I think some great talking points and went in some directions that I didn't really expect. We should also, by the way, position Neocon a little bit for those not uh, in this particular industry, but Neocon is a gigantic conference exhibition for businesses and brands and buyers that work in the design space, be that interior design, exterior design, furniture, textiles, material, and it's massive. It takes place at the Mart in Chicago. It's multiple floors, hundreds Hundreds. of exhibitors. It's, I I believe it's 400 plus exhibitors. And we, of course, couldn't talk to all of them. We didn't talk to, breaking news, we didn't talk to everybody. No, no. Try as we might, you know, we we basically had a very non-scientific approach where we wandered around and if a booth caught our attention or if somebody struck up a conversation with us, we kind of just continued that on that's very much in the spirit of our organization, which is, you know, curiosity. But in this case, it really just yielded dividends with the conversations that we had. I mean, what were some of the standouts that like are, they were all great, but what was top of mind to you? Just surprise. You know, I was surprised by the answers. And I should say this, I was surprised by people's generosity of time and spirit in the middle of a very busy conference that was going on, something that they've been planning for for months. Yeah. I'm going to call out one of those that really stood out to me. And it was the last one that we did of the afternoon. And that was Sue Pack at 9 to 5 seating. And when we walked into that space, they have this amazing showroom. And we were directed when we said, this is what we're doing. Is there somebody from the marketing team here? And they said, oh, you should talk to Sue. She's in this blue and white dress. She's in there somewhere. And we saw her and she was actively preparing for a like happy hour type event she's running around she's bringing like literal bottles of stuff to the caterers and that kind of thing talking about drink recipes yeah and setting up signage and all this stuff and we waited you know patiently she didn't know that we were looking for it and then when there was a moment we said you know excuse me sue we're doing this would you mind and she immediately was like oh sure step in here and you know gave us five minutes of her time and thoughtfully answered these questions. And I think that that just speaks to the generosity of spirit of these marketing teams because they're not just all in it for themselves. They want to 
share yep. what they've learned. And that's the whole spirit of this yep. podcast. Community. Is is sharing what we're learning and and the things that work for us and the things that don't and the things that get us excited. So that that was actually a great way to end the day. Yeah. And and you're reminding me to say none of the people we talked to knew that we were coming. Oh, not at all. No. no but we hadn't set up a time. They didn't know the questions. And they still dove in. And mm-hmm. they were still genuine and open and and willing to chat. Actually, one of my favorite parts was in one of the first conversations that we had actually ended up yielding a question mm. that we didn't even have planned. And that was we were with uh, Hunter Douglas. So we just walked by, saw them, struck up a conversation and uh, met one of their marketing representatives who's pretty new to the company, Tara. And we had our sort of pat questions. But then after we cut, she said, you know, if you're going to be talking to other people, I'd, a- I'd actually be really interested to know how they view the trade show model. You know, we're at a trade show. Mm-hmm. Is there still this ROI in the expense that's put into personnel, designing a booth, executing that booth, being there, you know, for two, three, four days, however long it is. Um, And so, and we started talking about it and I was like, actually, can we just roll again and talk to you about this? Fire back up. This is great. So, yeah, I mean, I think that there's no better place to start than with Tara, who brought up this whole conversation about trade shows at the trade show, which we weren't even anticipating having. So let's hear what she had to say, and then we'll just take it from there. I mean, this will be my first time kind of treat, like tracking back the ROI on having a booth. It will be really interesting to see, you know, maybe next year we, we come to Neocon and we don't do a booth and you kind of can track the difference between the two years. I do also think that trade shows are evolving, right? Like some of the biggest brands that were here last year, Herman Miller and all, they're not here this year. Very interesting to see why and, and what they're doing instead. I think the person to person value is important, right? But is it worth putting in money to have a booth? and display and bring all these things in or is it worth it to host a happy hour you invite your network you get new people you're still having that communication that person-to-person one-on-one contact that you want at a trade show but without spending the same money i'm curious to see how that will look in the future so yeah that was tara mcqueen from hunter douglas architectural and side note and full transparency after we recorded the intro that jeff and i did that you heard a few seconds ago uh we started to put this episode together this was monday night and we totally crashed and uh woke up the next morning both had you know separate very early flights and so i'm just kind of finishing up this episode solo so we can get it out while the conference is still going on but anyway after tara brought up this question about the viability of trade shows, we thought it would be a great thing to just add to our list of stock questions that we'd prepared. And so we were talking with um, a CEO named Benjamin Glenns, who runs a company called Swatchbox. And they help connect building professionals with product samples from top manufacturers around the world. And really, before we could even ask him about the trade shows, he actually brought it up himself in response to one of our other questions about their company's preferred platforms. 
One of the areas we've had a lot of success as of late is with Instagram, so kind of native within the inspiration, the flow is already sort of happening. Um, so that's been one area. Um, but I'd say one of the biggest things has been actual in-person events like this have been really strong for us, just because everybody is so oversaturated with digital and social and all of that. Uh, for us, actually, with the sampling industry, getting samples into people's hands is a a tactical experience that they, they can't get on online. So it really uh, reinforces what we're trying to do with our blended physical and digital model. So being at places like, like Neocon here really helped to close that gap even better. Uh, we've been at, I think, six shows already this year. And one universal theme is everybody's just really glad to have the opportunity to be in person. And I think it really taught everybody to not take that for granted uh, that we'll always have that. And so people are really investing in face-to-face -face relationships. And yet, this is actually a really similar sentiment that we heard from another marketing professional named Jordan Mascaro, who works at Lifespan Fitness, which you may be familiar with. They make exercise equipment for home offices and, and also office offices. But, you know, in full disclosure, uh, I do own their under-the-desk treadmill, and I love it. So I'm a, I'm a big fan of these folks, and when I saw their booth, that's what kind of drew me over. Um, but anyway, uh, here's Jordan on the value of trade shows in her opinion. I mean, COVID really locked everyone down for three years. So actually being able to talk to people in person, answer questions in person, people love face-to-face -face and they love just like the personal time we're getting right now, just answering questions. Instead of going over email, you kind of turn into a robot almost. So trade shows, I think, are very valuable. There were also a couple of people that we spoke with that they really rely on events like Neocon because their products actually demand to be seen and felt. Like... Ashley Paprock, who's a marketing manager at a company called Moss Inc., and they create these really stunning branded environments for corporate spaces and events. They they had one of these up uh, in their booth, which is the thing that drew us over. It was sort of a treescape with this LED lighting effect that really made it feel alive and active, uh, but also very soothing. So a uh, really interesting company. Um, and then the other person that we'll hear from after Ashley is Sue Pack, who we mentioned before. She's the marketing director uh, with 9to5 Seating. So uh, here's Ashley to start. I mean, I think, again, it's kind of like a balance. We definitely do digital ads that are highly targeted, trying to go to the exact audience that we're looking to reach. But I mean, even within the Midwest alone and the people that are kind of driven by the show, there's still so many people that we haven't reached. We may not know their exact job title. We may not know the exact companies that they work for. So doing something like this and creating a booth where we have elements that you can touch and feel, the different ways that we fabricate for you, I think it's still awesome. Absolutely. Attending an in-person, live, face-to-face -face event is crucial, especially to this type of business where um, we're a, a B2B industry, right? So that relies on a lot of relationships. Yes, we absolutely leverage digital and other um, social media platforms, and you have to be in those spaces. That's just a requirement. But it doesn't, it's never going to um, be an in-person interaction. Um, when someone, you know, the 
When someone interacts with our product and, and our chairs, they can actually experience it, demo it in person, and that's a crucial part of the buying process. And that's why we have we work with dealers and put in that face-to-face -face time, um, so we don't rely just on an email blast to keep them updated about a new product or product updates. And then finally, on this topic, we got a totally different and super fascinating rationale for continuing to exhibit at sales shows, trade shows like uh, Neocon. This was with Sam Johnson, who's the founder of Zen Booth. We were talking to them in one of Zen Booth's amazingly comfortable and well-designed privacy booths, which are clearly great products given how much better you'll be able to tell the sound quality was for this particular conversation. So the, the, the <laughs> trick with trade shows, I think, is to take a more holistic calculation on the ROI. Yeah. So we we have looked at just the sales that come through and sometimes they'll pay for the show and a little bit more, but you want to look for more than that on your marketing spend. And so um, the thing that I've actually learned about industry or customer events, they create a fixed deadline that you can't can't move. And so a lot of product development and marketing development happens in advance of the trade show and just creating a company deadline that is that is real not like an internal deadline, can help move a lot of innovation forward. Yeah. So that in itself is worth the tens of thousands of dollars that are spent. And then additionally, we've got a semi-remote team. And so we bring everyone together. And and like like I think we already feel like Bex works with, I'm in, I'm in Berkeley, Bex is in Portland, and we can already feel like, oh, it's like we've been here for a couple of hours, that's like already worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, you could... Yeah. It becomes like a team building yep. thing and team bonding as and, well. And then like tens of thousands of dollars is just like less than one FTE. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to like, you know, bring the team 10 to 20% closer, it's already worth it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's also, I mean, this trade show specifically has been where we have met most, if not like a majority of our vendors. Um, and that it is that person-to-person -person connection because we, you know, when you meet somebody and you hear the background of their company, you are able to really see if they, if the values align, if the company aligns so much more than any kind of email or phone call. Yeah, I, I just love that whole aspect of being able to tie the the trade show to a deadline to really force productivity. Force maybe sounds wrong. It, it inspires productivity so that you can hit that deadline. And I think that we've definitely done that ourselves where we've wanted to pitch an idea or do something on spec. And the best way for us to do that is actually to just set a meeting with the client or the potential client. And it really forces us to get the job done because it just wouldn't be cool to call and have to reschedule to say that this thing that we want to show you, we're not ready yet. That's that's not putting our best foot forward. But then also the team building aspect. I mean, I personally haven't been traveling as much with notice. This was my first kind of work trip in a while. And it's true that they really are bonding experiences and times where we can really just sit down and get into the nitty gritty about the business without any of the interruptions that come from, you know, our personal lives or even just the, the business itself. So really interesting perspective and, and something that I didn't expect. 
So moving on to another topic, we talked with Shaman Nguyen, who's head of sales and marketing at a company called Amazing Magnets. So the name kind of says it all there. And I actually wish we could have talked to Shaman longer because I have a feeling the marketing of custom and stock magnetic technology is pretty fascinating. But he spoke to us a little bit about the platforms that they use at Amazing Magnets that they seem to get the best response and engagement from. So uh, here's Shaman. What is your, like, as a company, your all's preferred, you know, uh, outlet, be it like Facebook, TikTok, for for reaching your customers? What do you find you're using the most, leveraging the most? Absolutely. LinkedIn, by far. Uh, LinkedIn, it has the engineers, the buyers, the people that we need to talk to um, that are trying to either design their different um, magnetic solutions or use our glass mag line, teachers and whatnot as well. We've noticed that we're getting a way better hit on our still photos than we are on our video and which everything out there tells you it's going to be the exact opposite and our photos have been far better on Facebook and LinkedIn. Oh, photo performing better than video. This is a dagger to the heart of this video producer. Ouch. Uh, But, you know, Shaman did tell us that one of the most successful things Amazing Magnets created from a marketing perspective was a professionally produced video that actually went on to get 1.3 million views. So maybe there's hope for us yet in the video production world. And Shaman wasn't the only person to say their focus lies outside the Instagrams and TikToks of the world. Here's Tara McQueen of Hunter Douglas Architectural again. We utilize LinkedIn most. I think business to business works best on LinkedIn. We have an Instagram account. Admittedly, I think that is a little bit of a dying field right now. Um, I think that imagery and and video work really well on Instagram, but um, I think we're connecting more with marketing people rather than the architects and dealers and actual customers that we want to serve day to day. That's interesting. And so on LinkedIn, what are you posting? Is it is it photos? What are you, what are you finding most engagement? So most engagement is videos. Um, we try to do short videos under 30 seconds, um, tagging people, <laughs> tagging other brands. Uh, stuff like that does really, really well on engagement. Um, and I do think that because it's a good uh, networking platform, all of our content gets shared multiple times over and over again. So it gets a lot of viewership just from our network itself. And what's interesting is Ashley Paprock from Moss Inc. had pretty much the same experience with Instagram, which is so fascinating because I would have thought Instagram was still on top, second only to TikTok maybe. So I will say initially we spent a ton of time on Instagram thinking that was kind of where we post a lot to Pinterest, just kind of like mood boards and inspiration so that people could see kind of how we've brought work to life. And unfortunately, that wasn't working very well in terms of kind of converting that traffic. So LinkedIn, organic posts, as well as ads are really kind of our sweet spot that we found to capture and directly target the market that we're going for. I wish we did a little bit more video. We're going to be leaning into that third, fourth quarter. But I will say the photos that we do, it kind of being a teaser of like the fabrication of something and then it leading to a case study, really highlighting the bulk of it is how we've been getting a lot of click through rates through those different posts where before we would give, you know, be like, you know, multiple images or a carousel. And it's like, then people are like, oh, great, I got it. I'm good. 
but really kind of making them go the step further to click is what's been successful. Now, TikTok and Instagram are going to be the best for all generations. Here again is Jordan Mascaro with Lifespan Fitness. I mean, Gen Z is going to be on TikTok the most. It gives us a lot of um, audience. People are visiting our websites the most. We get a lot of retargeting that way. Instagram's mostly for like, you know, the Gen X, there's millennials on there, the people that are going to be buying the most. So those two platforms work the best for us. So that's the span of your kind of customer segment is Gen Z all the way to millennial or yeah. Gen X too? Or? Gen X, yeah. So our target range rate is anywhere between 25 to um, 54 and up. And having that kind of broad customer base, is that a blessing or a curse from a marketing perspective? <laughs> it really depends on the day. It's definitely... It's great for sales, I'm sure. Oh, it's great for sales. It's definitely a challenge because you're trying to tailor to every audience and every generation and it's constantly changing. 9 to 5 Seating's Sue Pack is also working across multiple platforms to reach their audiences, including one platform that I'd actually never heard of. We focus on Instagram and LinkedIn. And then um, the second part of that is really being on the industry platforms where our customers and our clients and um, as some end users are uh, platforms like My Resource Library or MRL. Well, tell me a little bit about My Resource Library. But how does that differentiate itself other than the audience? What what kinds of things might you be, are you sharing things on there? What's the engagement like? Well, the fantastic thing is our entire um, binder, our portfolio of products is in My Resource Library. So whenever we have an update on our website or we're updating a product, we also update that binder. It's crucial because, um, I don't know if you know, but a lot of A&D firms, they no longer have full physical libraries anymore filled with binders they rely on a digital uh, a digital resource and so that's the great thing about my resource library is that we can instantly update our binder so that everything is updated there not only just product images but product information as well so that's been um, fantastic partnership for us I mean I guess we probably need to look into this my resource library I, I hope that wasn't something we should have known about and we're just revealing our ignorance uh, but I guess that's the, the risk you take when you host a podcast or, you know, open your mouth publicly in general in my case. But anyway, last but not least, our team from Zen Booth, uh, Sam Anderson and Bex Hartke, uh, they came through again on this question with another couple of curveballs that, uh, that really, really grabbed our attention. We have some big competitors that they do more on social media. Um, and email marketing, of course, is part of all of that, as we all know. Um, email marketing is not going anywhere. Most of our of our business comes straight through Google, whether that's Google Ads or most of our business actually comes through organic search. And so we actually have twice as much organic uh, traffic to our site as we do paid traffic, but that's where most of our customers are coming from. And so what's the strategy then to, whether it's an email outreach or, uh, you know, on your website, is it photo, video, copy? I'm sure it's all of the above, but what do you find most effective? So this isn't the formal marketing answer, but I just jumped to emojis. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Emojis yeah. are a big deal a, for us. A plant in the, in the subject line will go a, a long way. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. <laughs> no, it's like, really true. The visual of, like, our marketing approach, we very much, uh, part of our even, you know, friendly for people is that we want to be approachable. We want all of our marketing to be like you would be talking to a normal person. And so to that effect, 
We use emojis all the time in our marketing, yeah. in our emails, in our social posts, in our copy, on our website, like in everywhere. Our employment contract yes, as well. Yes, literally on our employment contract. In our business, we yeah. do it. You have the little money on emoji our proposal. Next to it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it just makes it more personal. It makes it more human. Um, and that's really what we're going for. We're really going for human-human interaction. And even all of our sales interactions, you know, we, we very much focus on human-to-human. Um, and we, we are a very lean team. We do a lot with very few. Um, and part of the reason why we're able to do that is because we, we really carry each other in, in that. Like, we're friendly for people, not just the people who buy our booths, but also within the company that is a huge part of our ethos. So yeah, the, those guys are great. We we really loved all the time that they gave to us, which actually was excessive. I think it was the longest of the conversations that we had at Neocon. And we are probably going to break that out into its own episode where we just kind of give you the entire unedited conversation. And you know, we're going to have to look into getting one of those Zen booths for the office so that we can record the podcast there because this closet in my apartment is getting rather lonely and depressing. So anyway, that's it for this week's episode of Marketable. We are going to have another installment of our Neocon conversations that falls into our Be Afraid uh, series within the series, because we did ask all of these participants that you just heard from about their take on artificial intelligence. Are they terrified? Are they excited? Somewhere in between. So be on the lookout for that. As always, be sure to like and subscribe. Write a review if you have a chance and, you know, tell your marketing friends and colleagues about the podcast as well. And until next time, I'm Ryan Jones and Jeff Barry is with us in spirit, signing off. Have a great week. Marketable is produced by Notice Pictures. We make podcasts, documentary and narrative films and are the trusted marketing collaborators for a number of brands and organizations. Check out our work by visiting noticepictures.com. If you'd like to chat or have a topic you want us to explore, drop us a line at marketable at noticepictures.com. And of course, please subscribe, rate, and review the show.